Hey, coaches, players, and parents, I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my show today, but I wanted to let you know about the video course I have available to purchase on CoachTube. This course titled Plan, Prepare, and Execute Your Skill Development Program is nine videos with nearly 60 minutes of content. It also includes a free copy of my book, The Skill Development Playbook, and a PDF version of my notes used to teach this course. You get all this content for $12.95. That's right, $12.95. Plus, as a bonus for purchasing this course and downloading my book, The Skill Development Playbook, you also get access to my free five-day course with over three hours of video content that complements my book. Go to CoachTube.com and type my name, TJ Jones, in the search box, and my course will come up. So you get my plan, prepare, and execute your skill development course, which includes my notes I use to teach the course, a free copy of my book, The Skill Development Playbook, and access to my free five-day course with over three hours of content that complements my book. So go to CoachTube today and get better. Welcome, everybody, to the Skill Development Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Coach TJ. Today, we got a very special guest with us, season six, episode number 11. We have Coach Jimmy Oakman. Coach, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. There's no problem at all. I'm really excited about this conversation, um, having you here and talk with us about some skill development. Um, before we get into that, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your uh, coaching journey? Sure. So I went to UMass Amherst um, as a student. I didn't play. I, I knew I wanted to get into coaching pretty much right away. I started coaching high school my last year there and, you know, for another year as well. So two years high school, went on to Division three to coach there for three years and then went to Boston University for four. And now I've just finished my second year um, in the NBA pro ranks. So a little bit of all the levels. So hopefully that can help some people. Yeah, and that's and that's. I'm ex and that's one reason why I'm excited about this. You coach high school, you you made it up to one of the highest levels, um, so you've seen it all. <laughs> you know everything from from the youth players all the way up to to the pro players, and I and I want to kind of get into that with uh, the mindset that you've seen with the high school players up to the college players and even some of the professional players. But before we get to that though, let's start with just talking about in your own opinion, what is skill development and how important is it to the game of basketball? Yeah, I think it's kind of the backbone of everything, whether it's your offense, it's your defense, um, it's the physical movements and the physical ability to that kind of transcends the big picture. It's the micro of everything. And, you know, oh, this play looks great, but if you don't have a great finish or, you know, you don't have the footwork to do it or you're in the post and, oh, it's a great play. Well, it doesn't matter unless the players kind of can can see themselves in that role. So I think, all right, great as a coach, you can look at it, but then you got to fine tune everything to the very minuscule details. Um, and that's what I love. I love really diving into something to the smallest component and skill development is that in basketball. I think without that, you know, you're just throwing everything against the wall and hoping it sticks and um, plays look great. But if you have great, you know, timing, spacing and the right reads that are had, like that's the beauty of it all. And that comes down to skill development and individual player training. 
Yeah, the details. Uh, the details okay. is very, very important. Um, a lot of times we see some of the youth players, they get caught up in what they may see a James Harden do or, or a particular <laughs> player in the NBA, and they don't understand the steps that they took to be able to get to that point. Yes. That is, that is, that is huge uh, to understand those, those details. So when it comes to, to skill development, I know you've been coaching for a while, so I know that your philosophy or your thoughts on skill development has changed over the years. But talk a little bit about how your philosophy have been tweaked or changed from when you first started and you were working with high school players to now to where you've worked with college and, and professional players. What is what are some things that you've learned along that way with working with those different levels of players? You know, it, it's funny, like I tried not to vary too much. And I think I go back to more what I was doing when I first started, really the fundamentals of stuff and trying to slow it down. I think professionals, maybe not so much the ones we've had, but just guys I've worked with, they're so good, but they can get so much better at the smaller details that can help them just elevate their game to a whole nother level. Um, and I think when you talk about the superstars, kind of like the James Hardens, it's the small details that people take for granted that he does. Yeah, he can do all the flashy stuff. That makes him, you know, score 35 a game. Mm -hmm. uh, but he has elite footwork. No one would question that. Yeah. Like he <laughs> is dribbling into his shot. That's elite. Like, that's a skill. So people just want to see the result of, the, you know, 35-foot step backs. I'm like, well, you know, his ball handling, his ability to create space, his finishing at the rim, his timing, his passing ability. And it all comes down to those fine details of, like, I don't care if I'm working with a 30 year old pro that's been doing this for a long time. Like we're probably going to have some Mikans in there. We're, we're going to focus on, you know, the ball and the timing and the, um, the footwork that goes into it prior. And then we're going to work our way back out. And uh, I, I think I revert back to that because I see the results. Um, and I see high level players work on that stuff too. So it, it's funny, like a lot of high school players would kind of be like, I don't want to do Mikans. Like, why would I do my, but like players at the highest levels are still doing that stuff. It's very important. Like you can never forget that. You don't want to skip steps. Um, so even though like it can seem boring, it takes, you know, four or five minutes of the workout. But I think uh, I, I revert back to that. I think that's really vital. And uh, that's kind of how I want to start with any plan, with any players I work with, working my way out, you know, as much as I want to shoot a lot of threes and work on that too. But inside is kind of where you can kind of grow. Now, one thing that I've noticed about James Harden, and I know a lot of players love the, the step back, <laughs> uh, but one thing about him that he does, I always see him on balance every mm -hmm. time. And, and Luca is the same way. So any player that's listening to this, if you're going to study what an NBA player does, you have to really break it down and really study what they're doing. But every time he does a step back, straight up, straight down. I've, oh. I, I've never seen him step back and fade away. I've right. never seen him off balance when he shoots. Um, so those are some of the things that that coach is talking about when he's talking about paying attention to the details. You yeah. see the dribbling, you see the step back, but the balance, the the how he holds his follow through, how he snaps his wrist, all those little details play a huge role and to him being able to make those shots. Um, mm -hmm. even, and even when you talked about the, the, the boring drills. Now, I'm, <laughs> I, try to, I try to be on social media a little bit, but we normally don't see the boring drills, right? Mm -hmm. That's not flashy enough. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you have coaches that, that put 
the step back drills online, the, the, the dribble combos, but those boring drills, the form shooting, the miking drills, the, the understanding your balance and your footwork is, is really, really huge when yes. it comes to, uh, to, uh, to skill development. Also, one more thing that I think that that's important what Coach said was taking him back to what he used to do, even though he's, he's coaching some of the, the, some really elite players and athletes. And uh, it's going back to the basics, you know, understanding fundamentals. That is, that is what's really, really important. So let's talk about some of those fundamentals. Yeah. What are some skills or some fundamentals that you feel that youth players, and you can go as third, fourth grade up to high school if you want, really need to focus on? And, and what do you think that, that the misconception is when you're working with professional athletes when it comes to working on fundamentals? Yeah, you know, I think something so minute that I really care about is being able to pass with both hands like one hand individually. I think that's so important. Um, and I think players that play multiple sports growing up are better at it. And just be, whether, you know, they play baseball, football, whatever it is, their dexterity is a little bit better. Uh, just something small, something easy to work on. And, you know, being able to lay up both hands, either way, at all levels, even the higher levels you go, guys are so athletic that they've only ever needed to use their right hand to finish and come so naturally like, oh, I can just get up there and dunk it. Well, all right, at this level, there's another seven footer. It, the talent is all equal. And, you know, whether you're you're 12 going against a 12 year old or you're a 25 year old pro, there's a guy still trying to stop you. And so you need to have both hands, um, you know, finishing at the rim, off the glass, using the angles. Um, all, you know, both feet, you know, finish on the left side of the rim with your left foot, off your right foot, inside hand, outside hand. And those are things that, you know, I still work on. I take a lot of pride in that stuff, knowing the footwork into it. Uh, you know, a lot of people that talk about shooting and one, two, whether you want to hop and wh whatever works for a player is great. But like being able to have multiple options, depending on the situations, right. you're never going to go wrong. Um, so whether you can go left, right, right, left into your shot, finishing at the rim, same thing, left, right, right, left, both sides, uh, and then passing with both hands. It, it seems so elementary and it really is, but it gets lost the further along you go. Um, it, and it's something I look at when I'm scouting and evaluating players too. Like can like he's driving middle from the right slot and he's trying to make a pass with his right hand across his body. Well, yeah, of course he got deflected because, you know, easy passes just to push pass with the left hand out to the other slot. Yeah. And, um, just things like that. You're like, well, he can get really, he can become a good passer. He can just work on that. But uh, so it goes like potential versus production, I think play into that as well. Uh, but those are just like three ideas that I have that I think can really help players at any level. So do you think that a lot of youth players just have this misconception that uh, take any top player in the NBA that they just got out of bed and are able to shoot three <laughs> or able to, <laughs> <laughs> You're able to handle the ball. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, an elite college player or an elite, you know, NBA player or any NBA player sure. um, about their mindset when it comes to their development. I've been trying to get kids to understand they have to take ownership yes. for their development. As a coach, I can help you get better, but I can't really make you better. You know, you have to take ownership on that. So, when you coach high school, let's talk about their mindset versus a college or an elite player or a professional player's mindset. 
what are some similarities and what are some differences? I think the older players get, the more they understand of um, it's what you see on SportsCenter is the highlights. It's not the, the regular plays. It's not the, oh, you've seen the, the great alley-oop play, but you didn't see the dribble move he used to create separation and draw the help to make the play. Um, and I think you see that a lot from younger groups that are like so worried about the flashy rather than the simple. And I, I'm hoping players like Luca that don't rely on strict athleticism kind of help right. the next generation. Yeah. Um, we kind of talk about his balance. And I think that's so key. Like he euros just as much as anybody. It's not fast, but he's on balance. He creates space. He finishes at multiple angles. And that's, that's vital. And, and you know, cause anybody can replicate that given the similarities in the athleticism. Um, the mindset, I think uh, as you get older, I think the guys are more willing to focus on the details of each workout and like, all right, I, I can envision what I'm doing right now because this is what translates. Like this is the move before the move and yeah. it, it's the reads behind it. It's all the uh, big picture. I think a lot of young guys, if they've seen professionals work out with their coaches, they'd be like, oh, this is kind of boring. It's not a whole lot. It's not flashy. It's not, you know, we're not, we're not out there for two hours. We're out there, you know, depending on the time of the year, 25, minutes to an hour depending on whatever it could be but um it's still the same thing that you know catching and shooting in game situations it's attacking the rim and avoiding the defender and uh you know making the right pass the right time and live reads and that sort of stuff and you know high school players want to have like you said like in and out crossover behind the back step back three well all right that's great that looks good on nba 2k but that's not you know that's not going to get you better like uh, so I think the mindset is huge. I think the older players to get more mature, understand that like, Hey, like it's the, the finer details that can really ascend my career. Yeah. The finer details again, as going back to what, what you had mentioned a little, a few minutes ago, um, players gotta, they gotta see that. And, and coaches gotta understand that too. So yeah. whether you're a uh, you know, higher skills trainer or whether you're on coaching staff is understanding those little details that, that can help propel a player from, from, one level to the next. Um, so let's talk a little bit about helping a player put together a plan. I think it's very, very, very important to be detailed and know where you are as a player and know where you're trying to go as a player. Um, let's talk about the player first that maybe is not getting the, the information they need from a coaching staff for whatever reason, or they're not working with an actual coach. What are some things that a player can do to put together something to help them really be able to improve and get better as a player when it comes to putting together some type of plan? Yeah, I think you got to be hyper-focused in what you want to get better at. And I think no matter what that is, you also need to track what you're doing. I think you start to see benefits of, um, like you can say like, oh, you know, I, I go out to the park, you know, four times a week, two hours a day and work on my ball handling, working on my shooting. And then like, but, but if you don't write it down, like what I was doing, like you could just be doing the same thing incorrectly time over time. Again, you could be shooting 50% for two months at a time, but you know, if I, Hey, I shot 50% today on 200 shots. Well, Hey, let me shoot 52% tomorrow. And if I don't, there's going to be a consequence for myself. Yeah. And it's just holding yourself accountable to be better, not just going out there with mindless reps. Right. I think that's crucial. Uh, with anything, anything that you track that you can measure, I think you're trying to see improvements in, um, and it's very simple. You can do that on your own. And so no matter what the skill is and, you know, 
however you want to vary it. Like one day it can be more of a finishing day. The next day it can be more shooting. The next day it can be more ball handling. Just break up the monotony. Not too many guys can go out there and spend 20 minutes on each one and, you know, go through the same thing without getting bored. Um, so I, I think you can, you know, fits each player, whether you're a post player, perimeter player, and divvy up the minutes accordingly and, you know, kind of like a pie chart. Pie chart like, hey, 50% of my day is going to be this, 25 and 25. Tomorrow is going to be a little bit different. And then track it and kind of go from there. Start to see results and, you know, hold yourself. Be like, get mad if, you, you know, you're not seeing the improvements you want and push yourself a little bit. And uh, I think that's important for, for any player, really, like taking ownership of your own growth is kind of what you said. Yeah, um, I've, I've been telling players in past episodes, just get you a notebook, you know, write down, yeah. you know, just yes. something real simple. It doesn't have to be overly detailed. It could be, uh, I'm gonna shoot, you know, 100 spot up jumpers. How many did you make? If you wanna be a little more specific, you can keep up with how many you make from each spot. But yeah. keeping up, but but what that does is, like you said, they gives you some some analytics, really. <laughs> yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Like there's power in numbers, right? Like you can be like, all right, well then you can take another, or, you know, I took 100 shots, you know, 10 spots, 10 shots. I did it in 20 minutes. Let me let me improve my percentage and get it done faster. Work on my conditioning too. Like let me, you know, there's you can dive as much as you want into it, and I think that's key. I think especially with you know COVID right now, a lot of people working on their own. Like I, you got to be creative at the end yeah. of the day. Cause you got to have some type of feedback. Like you said, it's got to be yeah. measurable. So if you're doing that, let's say if you're doing it four days a week and you're keeping up with it after about two months, you have a lot of, you have a lot of data. You have a lot yeah. of information that you can look at and you can say, okay, I might not have to spend as much time on shooting from the corners. I need to spend a little more time shooting from the right wing or from the elbow. Not saying that you're just going to neglect those other spots, but they kind of put in perspective areas that you need to uh, improve in. Now, if you want to get take another step a little deeper, you can look at your offense that you run and know where you're going to shoot from. Exactly. And then you can really see what you need, really what you really need to work on, what type of actions is going to come off of. Is it a pin down? Is it a on-ball screen? You know, are your coach isolating you one-on-one? <laughs> <laughs> whatever it may be. Um, but, but you can, you can really try to see. So it's really important for you to um, try to get that information. That's, that's going to really help you. Now let's talk about it from a, from a team perspective. Right. Um, you know, I know in high school, typically it's a head coach and assistant coach, right? Most high schools, head coach and assistant coach. And then those, the assistant coach is usually the JV coach. Here in Arkansas, we have a lot of rural towns, a little small schools. So those coaches typically may or may not have a, an assistant coach. And they coach seventh grade through 12th grade. Yeah, so they got the seventh grade boys, eighth and ninth grade play together, and then they have the varsity team. So they have three teams they have to coach. So what could a coach with a limited staff kind of do to help players put together some type of plan or to be, make sure that their players are getting some type of development outside of their practices. And, and we're not saying that they're working with anybody, just, you know, coach saying, hey, these are some things you need to do. So what, what, what could a coach do if they have a limited staff? I think that's so important. I think we can kind of lose sight of it at the higher levels too, because we have more bodies, but 
you know, make everybody a rebounder, make everybody a passer, let them pass each other. Like you don't need a coach out there. Like, all right, we're going to throw a drift pass to the corner where, you know, like have the players work on the passing while like Joey shooting and Jenny's passing, right? Like you, it, it can, multiple skills can be had. And, and then one person's rebounding, that's kind of their rest, whatever the other person's working on driving, passing with a right hand to the corner while that person's working on like catch and shoot from the corner. And then, Hey, we're going to flip it. We're going to rotate next time. It's going to be driving kick left hand to the corner. And he's shooting from that corner. She's rebounding and he's the passer. And I think it's those situations. You got to, it takes a lot more planning for sure, but I think it can be done. And you're kind of crossing, you know, multiple platforms of skill development. It's kind of like, all right, we're, on my shooting passing break and then it can be whatever like defensive slides the other person's handling it offensively and the other person after that is transition threes after i do one-on-one zigzags to a kick ahead three and you're using everybody it breaks up the monotony of just all right we're going to rotate he's shooting we're both rebounding and kicking it out you know efficiency with your time is huge um, especially with kids, you know, everyone talks about attention spans and stuff like that. And I get it. And I'm probably the same way, yeah. but like, you know, if spend more time planning it and the players will enjoy it more, I think, and, you know, utilize the players that you have much like we utilize, we utilize our staff. I think players can be used much more. So. Yeah. I heard, a, I read a quote. Uh, I can't, I can't tell you exactly what he said, but it was uh, in, in the, the coach was talking about, he didn't want his managers to be the best passers on the team. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, it's amazing, right? Like, yeah. you get all the guys, all they want to do is shoot all the time. You blame the players that they all want to shoot. Well, you're not working on passing either. So right. there's a reason yeah. why. Yeah. So so the coach said he makes all his players, when they're doing shooting drills, they have to make the passes. Um, and the managers are more rebound if they if he needed to. Uh, but, yeah, that, that made a lot of sense. I heard that. I can't remember who said it, where I, where I read it. Um, but I, that I always stuck in the back of my mind. I read, I read that uh, a few years ago. Um, so now I'm real big on relationships and I feel like for a player to really buy in, for a player to trust you, um, you have to establish some type of relationship. And it doesn't mean you got to be best friends. You go out and have drinks at the end of after, after right. games and after practice and all that. But I do feel like you got to have some type of relationship with with the players. Um, how important do you think it is for a coach or a staff member to establish relationships with their players in order to create that trust that would then lead to buy-in? How important is it and for that, and especially since we're talking skill development, from a skill development standpoint, because if I'm a player and you're the coach and you say, hey, TJ, you need to work on this, this, and this. If we don't have a relationship, I could be hesitant to buy in what you're telling me. So let's talk a little bit about those relationships. It's crucial. I think when all else fails, you're going to revert to whatever your relationship is. You could have all the information in the world, but if they don't trust you to do it, it's, it's going to be useless. Much like a team setting and same thing as individual. Um, you know, I, I try to really care about the relationships with players that we have or any that I've ever had. Um, I've always tried to go in and be professional in my approach and always have as much information I have so that whenever they ask a question, I know a lot of coaches are like, our players always ask why, or they're always looking for feedback. I want to give them the why. I want them to know everything that we're doing and the reason why. And, and I want them to question me. And if I don't have an answer, we're going to try to figure it out together. 
and you can question everything. That's great because it means you care about your development at the end of the day. If they didn't care, they wouldn't question it. And so uh, with my guys, like I, I like coordinating the workouts with them. Like I might have some things in mind, but I'm going to ask them like, what do you want to work on today? Like, what, what do we want to accomplish? Like, how can we get better? Um, you know, is there something that you want to just do to get your mind right? Is there, what's going to build your confidence? Do you just want to get roll right into it and just being transparent, like showing a lot of film, like, this is what it looks like. Like, what do you want to do? What do you see? And making it more of a conversation rather than a one-way street. I think, uh, especially at the pro level, like, you're not going to demand that they do things. I think you just want to kind of help steer them in the right direction and help them get better. And, you know, as good as they want to be, you're going to be there to help facilitate their growth. And younger players, you might have to direct it a little bit more because they may not know the answers. Right. But it's still got to be you want them to think it's going to be their idea too, because they're going to care about it a little bit more. You know, I heard, you know, a coach before said like, Hey, if we have a 40 minute workout, 20% of that workout is going to be me asking them what they want to do. And hopefully it aligns what I want to do too. And if it does great now, if they want to shoot half court shots for they, you know, that eight minutes, you know, this is going to be a waste of time, but hopefully they care enough to both of our goals align and uh, we can accomplish some things and they're going to go harder for that eight minutes and they're going to appreciate it. And the next workout is going to be a little bit better. Uh, so I, I do think that relationship piece is, you know, you can't yell at them until you love them and they're not going to trust you unless you build that foundation. And, you know, when it's middle of the season and you're 40 games in and you're still the guy yelling, get back in transition defense, you better rely, you better have a good relationship back in October. And, you know, you guys are talking about family, friends, and talking about how we're going to help your career. Uh, they're going to rely on that. And if you guys are just always yelling at him and he's never going to believe or want to listen to what you're saying. Uh, so, you know, if, if you miss that part of it and skip steps, they're going to, they're not going to play for you as hard as probably they would if you, you know, kind of had that relationship. Yeah. Three quick things I picked up uh, that I think was just really spot on. Number one was honesty. Like you have to be honest and truthful with, with your players. And, and, you know, you could be just, blatant honest <laughs> just right in your face um but but being honest you know if, if a player asks me something and I don't know I'm gonna just tell them I don't know yeah. but I, I will tell them say hey but give me give me a couple of days give me some time <laughs> I'll figure it out and if I can't and if I can't give it to you I tell somebody you can go to to give you that answer I think that gives you a lot of respect because that player will know I can go to coach even if he doesn't know he's gonna lead me in the right direction so got to be honest and then getting the feedback from the players. I think that's really, really important. When I work with players, uh, I always ask them, why are you here? Like, why are you, why are you hiring me to help you? Like, what, do, what are we trying to accomplish? And a lot of players have very lofty, I mean, really high. I had a guy that is, uh, he's not on a high school team. He wants to play in the NBA. And I said, well, before we can get to the NBA, Let's go straight on making a varsity team next year. <laughs> you know, so I'm being honest with them, but I'm telling them, hey, you got a lot of work to do. And I would never tell a kid that you can't do anything, right? I saw on Twitter, not Twitter, Instagram. I don't know if this is true, but it said David Robinson was 5'9 his junior year in high school. And now he's 7'1. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, because you can't believe <laughs> everything you read on social media. But if he's 5'9 as a junior, Nobody would expect him to be 7-1 and make the NBA, right? right? So I don't want to be that coach to be telling David Robinson, you ain't going to make the NBA, right? Because yeah. you don't know yeah, right. 
what type of growth spurt somebody can hit or whatever. So, but I do try to be honest with them and getting that feedback from players and then having that conversation, you know, just allowing them to give you, that goes with what you were just saying, that the feedback and having that, that talk um, really, really helps. And it also helps a coach when they're putting some things together um, because a player can see some stuff on the court that we can't see. For sure. So, you know, when we get that feedback from them and understanding why they decided to do this or why do you think you need to develop this skill, they give us some insight on what they're thinking and, and that can really help. Because at the end of the day, our job is to help them. Yep. Right? So if I'm developing a player, that's to make them the best that they can be so they can be plugged into any system. And then as a coach, if I'm on staff, I'm trying to help this player be the best that they can be so they can help us win ball games. So, um, so that's, that's, that's really important. So I got two more quick questions for you, coach. And then uh, we'll wrap this thing up. So let's talk about uh, small-sided games. Uh, that's the new hot, hot term that you, that's been going on a lot lately. Um, but just really small-sided games and decision-making. I feel like uh, really, really, really important. Um, what are your thoughts on decision-making and how would you help a player develop their decision-making, which is going to include some small-sided games because, you know, making, you know, having a defender. Um, but what are some things that you like to key on or what are some things that you've seen that help players help with their, with their decision-making? And we'll get into film. Sure. I want to talk about yeah. it next. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like that's the biggest thing I think going from college to the NBA and just not just me, but both players, coaches and seeing it live is how much time is spent with professionals on the decision making. Everything is pretty much done with a defender. A everything is a read. Um, you know, you're coming off a stagger screen. Well, you know, if you're like if you see a college workout for the most part, they're just coming off the stagger screen, they're shooting a shot. Right. I want all right, I can be the passer to the guy. It's a one-on-one -on -one workout. I'm making the pass, and I might have my equipment manager helping out. I'm like, hey, I don't care what you do defensively. You can chase him off the line. You can run into him. I want him to read you, and it could be random. Like he could like catch and shoot, catch and shoot, and then all of a sudden you have a great closeout, and he wasn't even expecting it. But I want him to put it on the ground and not travel, and then yep. go to the rim. And then the next like, all right, cool. We implemented that. What's the next read? All right, you come off the stagger. He's going to lock and trail you. You're curling to the rim. Finish. All right, great. I'm going to throw another guy at the rim at you. Now you got to finish around the guy at the rim. And the next time, we're not going to let you shoot it. you got to find me back in the corner for another. I'm in the corner. you got to space back out and then get a shot. And it's just layering these situations just time and time again. Um, and we're going to give them a framework. Hey, we're running. We call our stagger stuff away. You're coming off of the away screen. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like I'm giving you the ball. You, we don't know how they're going to defend you. They could fall down. Great. You shoot it. If they switch it, what are you going to do? If they lock and trail you and there's no help on the curl, great. Go to the rim. Well, all right. Now you curl and you get to the rim and the help's there. What are you going to do? And you're giving them an answer, but letting them figure it out. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, as much as you can generate those situations, and luckily for us, we can kind of do it with just one player and multiple coaches. Uh, that that's important. And, you know, if I have two or three players, that's fine. He, he's going to pass to his buddy in the corner when he goes to the rim now, and his buddy's going to take that shot or he's going to drive it again and kick him back out for a shot. And 
it's just getting creative with it. Or he can be the guy passing to the stagger and then he's doing something else. And you just kind of come up with these situations and none of it's probably going to look perfect, but the game's not played perfect. Nope. And, and, and so like, I think before when I was younger, I was so much worried about like, this is what I want it to look like. And when they, mm-hmm. and they did it exactly what I wanted. Oh, great. Well, cool. Let's move on. Well, you know, it makes me feel good, but did it, was it, is that realistic? I probably maybe not maybe 50% of the time, but like this one, I want like, you're not going to come off a stagger screen and shoot five shots in a row in 20 seconds. That's never going to happen. Yeah. In the game. Like no. you're going to get one stagger and hit the three, the coach is going to get mad. You're never going to get another one in the game. So, so now what can we do to kind of mix things up a little bit? Like you come off the stagger, I wouldn't pass him the ball. And he's looking at me. I'm like, well, what happens if you don't get the ball? Like, you better figure it out because if you're messing up the space thing, I'm going to get mad at you. So uh, I I think there's keeping it fresh. And, you know, I want them always thinking. I don't want it to be mindless. Uh, You're challenging their mind as much as you are physically. I think that's crucial. Uh, And and I think that gets missing a lot. And I think players that come from college to the NBA or overseas start to realize, like, these situations starting to happen organically, and you got to kind of just go with the flow and just play and not stop, keep moving, keeping things going. Um, so I'm trying to – I'm always trying to come up with new ways to keep it fresh, but, you know, it's completely random at times, and that's fine. That's okay. It doesn't need to – there's a time for spot shooting. Yeah, that's great, but, like, that's not how the game's played either. So the decision-making key is something I'm thinking about 24-7. Yeah, I, I, I tell a lot of players, uh, I call it being on autopilot a lot yep. of times. They want to do the same thing over and over again. So every once in a while, I just throw something at them and see how they respond. Like you say, I'm not going to throw you the ball. What you going to do? You just going to yeah. stand there and look? Or you're going to pop out with you? You know, yeah. so I, I think that's good to keep them on their toes because we can drill something over and over again and they'll know, okay, well, I'm coming off the stag, I'm running to a spot, I'm catching this shoot. If you and I, and I tell players, you got to be playing against a really bad defense yeah. or you have to really catch the defense off guard to be able just to come off of a stagger or come off of, of a pin down and catch the ball and be wide open and shoot. And if, they, and if you do catch them, I guarantee on the next one, they're going to make some type of adjustment. Exactly. Um, so how do you build up to that? I mean, I, I know I know that's the sweet spot. The sweet yep. spot is being able to add a defender or being able to throw different things at a at a player. And I, and I know I get I know coaches are not real big on on block training, but I yep. know that that's that's usually like a starting point. But what do you like to do to build up to that to that decision making? Um, to get them to where they've got to make the right read or, or make the right decision in, in the drills, which hopefully will carry over to the game. So I think what I really love is like, I love the X and O's and di- diagram plays that offensively. And with the thought process of this is the skills that we have from our guys, this is going to help them. This is going to be good for them. And then knowing like, all right, I got the shooter. We're running this for the shooter. It's going to mimic the action, and we're going to get reps off off that. So it could be anything. Like we're kind of talking about the stagger stuff. Like, all right, so we're, we're running our away stuff, and you're catching top of the key three. This is what it's going to look like, the spacing, the timing, and everything. And then it's like once he gets comfortable in knowing, all right, now we're out there 5 on 0 as a team. You know, I know what I'm going to do. I'm coming off the stagger. This is what it looks like. But then what? You know, and then those are the situations where like, all right, if I catch it, don't shoot it, or we're coming into a ball screen. I'm coming off the ball screen and I'm going to finish. Well, all right, great. Well, 
what are the reads now in the pick and roll? Well, there's a guy in the strong side corner. There's a guy in the weak side corner. There's a guy that just passed me the ball. It's, you know, all right, great. That's great. And then as you kind of go through that process, you start figuring out, like, you can have those in-depth conversations. And I know you kind of mentioned about the film stuff. It's like, all right, we're coming off the stagger, step up ball screen, and the team tags with the low man in the pick and roll. So this is what it's going to look like in my mind. So I'm already trying to get them thinking, like, and I'll start talking really fast to them to yeah. see if they can start understanding. I'm like, hey, when you come off the away, we're going off the step up. They tag with the low man. What's the read? And you start to see them starting to think. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, he's coming off the low man. That guy's going to X out. So if I can read the X out quick and get to the corner, he's going to be able to shoot it. If not, that guy's going to throw it to the guy in the slot for shot. That's the one more. Or, you know, the X, X, X out guy's going early. I'm going to throw it right behind my head. That guy's going to be able to shoot it. Well, all right. Well, what if I tell you now it's the high tag, man. You're coming off the step up right? Like, what is the read? Well, all right, I might have the roll guy. Well, what if your guy plays you perfectly? Well, how can you keep him on your hip and, and kind of mimicking these situations now? So mm-hmm. you kind of reverse engineer it. So I'd have like, all right, we're going to start the elbows today. I want you to pretend I'm on your hip defensively and just keep me on your hip, go to the rim and finish. Mm-hmm. Keep me on the hip, go to the rim, late past the big, he can finish. And then we kind of get to, hey, we're coming off the away. You're shooting that shot at the top of the key now. Now, you, now next layer is step up ball screen. And I want you to keep me on the hip. And it's kind of going back. It's building up to the whole thing. So he doesn't even know, like, hey, we started at the rim doing Mikeins in these finishes. We went to the elbow. I kept, You were on my hip. Now we're coming off our actual action of the game. And so it's like, instead of just starting in the corner, we went the other way around. It came full circle almost. Uh, so I think everything can always happen, like, at the basket and then work out. Like, basket, elbow what's our action look like? We're going to get to those same comfortable spots and you know, it's going to be really familiar for you. Once you get the ball to the elbow, you know, I got one dribble. I can finish this way. If I need two dribbles, I'm going to have to go up this way. Um, I can finish off left foot, right foot, right foot, left, both feet, you know, left hand, right hand, whatever it is. And you know, we got a hundred reps in 90 finishes. They're all randomly different. And so no matter what we throw at you defensively, you should be comfortable. And then the play is just a play. Like you could run anything, right? Like you can run flex. If you catch the ball on the post and the move, you better be able to finish. Like you can run, doesn't matter. Um, so just trying to develop those habits of like, you're going to be in the pain a lot. What can we do that's going to make you feel comfortable getting those reps in, but still in the flow of our offense. And I'm always, you know, scheming and coming up with ways and uh, trying to keep it new for them. But, you know, it's still going to be pretty much, can you finish at the rim, you know, with one dribble? And that's pretty much the game. Yeah, one thing that, that you said that I try to do with my players uh, as much as possible. Now, I do a lot of one-on-one. It's just me and another player. So I have to really be creative to help them make decisions <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but I, at this part of the year, they're getting ready to go into their season. So I start asking them about their offense. Okay, well, what do y'all like to run on offense against a man? What do y'all like to run on offense against uh, a zone? And me, I'm a point guard. I played point guard my whole life. So they'll tell me, oh, the point guard dribbles down and passes to the wing. I'm on the wing, and then I do this, this, and this. And I always ask them, okay, well, what if they can't get you the ball? Then what do you do? I don't know. And I said, well, that's a problem. I say because as the season progresses, teams do this thing called scouting, <laughs> and they start to take away stuff from you. Um, 
So I think it's really, really, really important for any coach that's listening, especially if you coach at a younger level, seventh grade, uh, youth players up to even up to high school, is to give your players options. Okay, so if the defense do this, here's a count. If they take this away, this is what we can do. Because a lot of these players, especially the younger players, they have a hard time just, just going out there and just kind of playing. Like I have a lot of players, I tell them all the time, the coach is running the play to put you in a position to score. But I don't know a coach in America that wouldn't, that wouldn't love to have five players on the court that just knows how to play basketball within their system. So you automatically know that player turns his head, you automatically know I, I can cut to the basket, receive a pass and finish with a layup. I don't know a coach that would be upset about that, right? Now, <laughs> he might be upset if you're just trying to go one-on-one and shooting everything. So um, any coach that's listening, I, I hope you take that to heart because I know that's something <laughs> I see players <laughs> struggle with all the time. They all understand them. the offense, they know the offense, but they feel like I have to do this, 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 and this. And then you have those teams out there that's just running and passing and passing and nobody's looking to score. And next thing you know, I'm, that's why I'm glad in Arkansas we got the shot clock in, oh. in high school. So <laughs> Everybody needs that. <laughs> yep. All right, so the next thing I want to get into is talking about film. Um, I know you have a background in, in, in video coordinator. Um, this is something that I'm trying to get better at myself, actually breaking down film for, for the individual player to get better within the team system. Um, I use film in skill sessions. I give them a phone out, record them, show them what they did and how they should do it and you know slow it down and all that's an app that I use for that. I can zoom in and write on and all that fancy stuff. <laughs> Let's talk about how important it is for a player to understand how to actually watch film for their yeah. development. We mentioned earlier about the highlights. I know that sounds good and everything, but kind of take us through what you like to do or what you look for when you are breaking down film for a particular player for their development to be better in the in the coaching system. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me when I'm looking at my guys that I'm responsible for specifically is like every play is important. You can coach through every play. Mm -hmm. So whenever my guy's on the floor, I'm watching even more with a keen eye and being like, all right, this is what he was doing. And, you know, it could be anything like it could be this one could be spacing. This one could be, you know, he came off pick and roll and I start categorizing it into different like sessions. And I'm like, all right, this goes here. This goes here. And then I can kind of watch them in like succession. Be like, these are all the pick and rolls. These are all the ones you were just spaced. Um, these are the times like all the catch and shoot opportunities. And like, all right, you had, you know, seven catch and shoots. Uh, let's look at your footwork. Let, 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 did you have your feet down before you caught the ball? Were you ready to shoot? Um, what, what was the, your, your release like? Did you, you know, did you, you get into your pocket and you're starting to dive into those things? So I'm big into segmenting things and kind of chunking things together. Um, let's go into all your driving kicks. Let's see what it looks like at the rim. And, you know, maybe it's a, you know, maybe I'm only going to show him just the driving kicks one day, you know, the day before a game. These are all your driving kicks. These are when you got to the rim. You know, we're starting to see some themes. This is what it looks like. You're taking off too far from the rim. You know, you're leaving off one foot too early. You know, let's take one more dribble. 
Um, this is what it looks like when you take one more dribble. This is what it looks like when you know you take off one step inside the free throw line. Like you're you're not Michael Jordan. Like it's gonna be hard for you to get. Uh, you know, take that extra dribble. Maybe you can't shoot it. Maybe that's the time to pass it. And then it's those same questions. Where like we, we were kind of hitting on it. I would freeze it in the middle of him doing something in, in transition, and I'll be like, I don't know what you were thinking here. I don't know the answer but let's talk about it, right? Like, this is what the, the court looks like this. Um, we know what you did, whether it was right or wrong. What's the situation? What's the time and score? And then you can start diving a little bit deeper into it. Um, and you know, a guy would go up there and take like a tough shot and you're like, oh, well, we know that's not the right answer, but you know, how could we have, you know, made this better? Should you even try to attempt that shot? Should you have pulled it out? Or what was the spacing like? And it's kind of like, a starts bad and ends bad you know rarely does it ever you know start bad and looks good at the end unless the defense just kind of does something poorly and so I think the film stuff is huge for me uh especially with like I was working with our sh like shooters specifically and kind of not becoming a shooting expert because I don't think I am but like looking at those situations that are you're successful why like why are you successful like what do great shooters all have in common and so I take a lot of stuff that great shooters do um, similar size and statue, so you can kind of see it. Like, all right, you come off the move and shooting. How are your feet? Can we get your feet quicker? Well, no defender in the country is going to go underneath a screen on you. We know that. So, what can you do um, knowing that he's going to trail you? And, well, you got to be better at the rim, or you got to be better at attacking and drawing help and making the passes. So, you got to be a great passer. You got to be able to be an above average finisher at the rim so they can respect you enough to be like, how good would Kyle Korver be if, you know, if he couldn't make a read coming off the screen to hit the slip guy because they, like, hedged on it? You know, he's got to be a good passer. Mm -hmm. uh, so it allows you to start asking questions. I think that's the biggest thing is, um, all right, I chunked it all up, and you start asking questions. Well, what's he look like coming off screens? What's he look like coming off pick and rolls? What's he look like, um, you know, defensively? You helped, like, all the situations, you were the help guy. Well, did you overhelp here? Why are you overhelping? You know, you're not seven feet tall. You can't stand there because you're not quick enough to get back to the three-point line. You don't have that wingspan. And so it's just like trying to get 1% better. Can we get that little margin of error? Uh, you know, can you recognize the situation a little bit quicker? Hey, defensively, like defensive IQ is huge too. And you're teaching, hey, that guy's coming off a of pick and roll to his left hand. He's not going to throw a left-hand hook pass 35 feet to the corner on a dime. You could probably help a little bit more on the roll here. But if he's going to his right hand, strong hand, you know, you got to be ready for anything. So you got to be a little bit more on your toes. Um, so it's trying to teach those situations a little bit more. Uh, and I love, like, we were kind of talking about the X and O's piece of it and showing them, like, this is what it's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. So this is, you know, and kind of going through the whole progression, like, all right, cool, you catch and shoot. If you can't catch and shoot, then what? Then what? Then what? And I think that's, uh, and you, I just keep asking questions. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is like layering the questions like on again. Like, all right, well, you couldn't shoot. You couldn't score off the pick and roll. You couldn't hit the big guy rolling to the rim. You, well, you're not just going to jump up in the air and throw the ball to somebody. Like, you better figure out what, what the defense is doing too. Yeah, so when, you, when you're doing a, a, a film session with a player, about how long are those, are those film sessions? I don't ever really make it longer than I would say five to 10 minutes. And I would say uh, on practice days, like say it's a day in between a game, 
it might be 10 minutes. And it's just because like, Hey, I got 20 minutes to work out with the guy. You know, he just played 30 minutes last night. He's going to play 30 minutes tomorrow. Uh, we don't need to get the full 20 minutes in, but split it half and half, spend 10 minutes on the floor, 10 minutes in film. And then uh, day of the game, like my guys will be out there shooting around, like we'll get our workout in 15 minutes on the floor. And then I'll go into the locker room when I know he has like a little bit of a break. And I'll be like, hey, let's talk about this. I got like five to seven minutes of film. I want to pump you up a little bit, show you where you're going to be able to succeed tonight. This is what you did last time we played them, if we played them. Uh, this is your matchup. This is what he does. This is where you were good. This is where we got to avoid these situations. And, and then it's just, you're on your own. Go ahead. And uh, if they want more, I can send them more for sure. But I don't want to like overload them with too much information. So let's talk about how real quick film allows you to assess. And then that leads to, uh, that can lead to building some complementary skills or, or I like to call it skill stacking. So you mentioned Kyle Corver coming off the screen. There's a hedge. He's got to be able to make that pass. That yeah. complements him because he's a shooter. Or being a, if you're a spot-up shooter or being able to come off screens, they're going to attack the, the closeout hard. So you may be able to uh, add a one-dribble pull-up or a sidestep for a three or be able to get all the way to the rim. Something that complements Yep. your ability and your skills. Um, so let's talk about how you take it from the film session to the court. Let's say this is an off season, because I know it's different during season, like you just mentioned. You got 20 minutes, you're gonna spend five to 10 minutes looking at that film. You're gonna spend another 10, 12, 15 minutes on the court. Um, but let's talk about in the off season. If a coach is um, looking at film and they're trying to help that player build that plan, how do they take that? film onto the onto the court what are some yeah. ways that they can do that real quick I think the best thing you can do is try to find out like what your playing style is similar to right are you a spot-up shooter with just catch and shoot are you a guy that can fly off screens like Duncan Robinson well Duncan Robinson's become a great like Santa Corver making those complementary skills so I think you got to be creative and letting them know like everybody knows you're an elite whatever what is your plan B when things don't go according to plan, right? Like everyone talks about like pick and roll situations with Rondo. Cool. Let's go. We're going under Rondo. Well, all right, great. Well, Rondo's everyone's been going under Rondo his whole career and he's still an elite player. So he knows that and he's going to find those situations that, well, okay, now he's become, he was a great shooter in the playoffs. Like he was knocking out shots, which is great. So not complimented, but his pretty much his whole other time was still trying to turn that corner and draw the help and still being able to beat you to the spot. And he knows that. And so the elite players that do make it, I think at all levels have that secondary skill that can really help their top skill. And if you're just a guy like, Oh, he can shoot. There's a big difference between like a, a stretch four that can sit out there. Like, um, like Ursan Ilyasova great shooter spot up but you're not flying him off screens like JJ Redick and so JJ Redick's ability to come off screens create space that's in a skill in itself yeah. and then um, how it complements other players that you know I'm going to screen for JJ more because that's going to get me open too and yeah. so uh, all right then it's the reading of the screens so you got to look to see like your shooters like these are all the things we can do like how can you read screens is he curling this one is he coming off straight is he going to flare this one um, and then it's the footwork into it because then that can make you a whole nother player. And then it's like, all right, maybe you're not a pick and roll guy. So we're going to set a pin down for you. And you already got that advantage from your guy. So when you come off, you only got one dribble to make a play. 
and that's all you got. And so then it's trying to grow a little bit further and without doing too much. I think you don't want to lose like your think of yourself as a carpenter. You want to add a little bit to your tool belt. You don't want to go out there thinking you're the best in the world because, you know, if you try to do too much, it's going to look bad yep. and, you know, slowly build. You're not going to be Kevin Durant in a day that, you know, nobody can be that. Like, don't try to be something like if you're an elite shooter, well, let's be an elite shooter and then a little bit more. And then, you know, whether you're seventh grade and you're trying to become something more or you're, you know, trying to go from college basketball to the pros, like you, you can always get better at those little finer details. Yeah. Coach, man, there's a lot of great information. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I got a lot of notes myself, so I'm sure everybody listening uh, uh, got some got some great notes too. So before you go, if there's any other advice you'd like to share, please share that and also tell people where they can find you on, on uh, social media. Yeah, no, I'm happy to connect with anybody. I think my Twitter is just my name, at Jimmy Oakman. Um, I think we all need to keep studying the game and trying to, you know, find new ways to help players develop. No matter, like you said, we were talking about earlier, like you get better individually to help the team win. And I think that's been the goal, too, that we kind of do in the G League is let's get the players good so that at the end of the season, all the players are better and can try to win as a team. And trying to find those ways, if you're a coach for a whole team, find those ways that mirror your system with player development. I'm happy to talk hoops with anybody at any time. And I appreciate you having me on first and foremost. Well, that's it for today's show. I appreciate everyone that tuned in. I hope you found it valuable and informative. If you like today's show, please share on social media and tag me. I can be found on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at NBNBball. Also, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and please give me a five-star rating. Also, be sure to check out my book, The Skill Development Playbook. This book will help you understand how to get organized and know what real skill development is. It can be found on my website by visiting tjonesfirm.com forward slash SDP hyphen book. Paperback is $9.99. The PDF version is $3.95. And also going to be found on Amazon. Just search Skill Development Playbook and it should pop up. It's $9.99 for the paperback or $3.99 for the Kindle version. Now, if you need to contact me for anything skill development related, I can be reached by email at info at tjonesfirm.com. That's info at tjonesfirm.com. Again, I appreciate you for tuning in. Until next time, thank you. God bless.